Hello and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the Book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwall, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. We're going to be continuing in this episode with Proverbs chapter 5, picking up where we left off last time in verse 7. In the next two episodes, we're going to cover the following section. For this episode, we will focus on verses 7 through 11, which say, But now, my sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your road far away from her, and do not go near to the door of her house, lest you give your vigor to others and your years to a cruel person, lest strangers eat their fill from your strength and your hard-earned goods end up in the house of a foreigner. And in the end, you will groan when your flesh, even your body, are used up. Starting in verse 7, Solomon tells his sons, and it's interesting that he uses the plural here rather than the typical son singular that is used elsewhere. And his sons are to listen to him and that they are not to depart from the words of his mouth. Solomon's plea here is similar to how he started the previous section in verse 1, where he said, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my discernment. When Solomon says, Do not depart from the words of my mouth, he is exhorting his sons not to walk away or ignore what he is teaching them. He's basically telling them to hold on to his advice and counsel and to protect it and keep it in their heart. The reason for this will become obvious as we continue to look at the rest of the section concerning the warning that Solomon is giving to his sons. The warning begins in verse 8, where Solomon says, Keep your road far away from her, and do not go near to the door of her house. Now, who is the her referring to? Whose house is Solomon's sons supposed to avoid? In order to answer this question, we have to look back at verse 3 where the character of the strange woman is introduced. In the previous episode, we talked about what the book of Proverbs means when it refers to a strange woman. To briefly recap, a strange woman is a woman who does not belong, in the sense that she is not married to the son, and therefore she is foreign to him, meaning she is someone other than his wife. As chapter 5 will go on to reveal, the son is likely married, and therefore this woman is considered a stranger because she does not belong to the marriage covenant, nor is she welcome in it. She is out of place. She is unknown sexually by the son, but yet she is seeking to seduce him and invade his sacred vows of marriage by desiring to commit adultery with him. Throughout the section, we have to keep in mind that the context is that Solomon's sons are married and therefore the possibility exists for them to be unfaithful to their marriage covenant by being tempted by other women. And so the reason that Solomon warns his son about strange women is because they are dangerous, and they pose a threat to his son's fidelity to their wives. As Solomon describes, these strange women attempt to seduce men by being flirtatious and charming. They make themselves attractive and desirable, not just in appearance, but even more so through their words. In verse 3, Solomon describes them as having lips that drip honey and a mouth that is smoother than oil, meaning they know how to speak enticing words to men and tell them what they want to hear 
so that they can manipulate them into getting what they want. These women know how to sweet-talk a man and captivate him so that he compromises his moral judgments and goes along with her. Now, in the case of Solomon's sons, Solomon is warning them about strange women because they will seek to seduce them so that the women can have sex with them. At this point, it might be helpful to ask, so what is wrong with Solomon's sons sleeping with these women? If they both want it, then what is the problem? Well, there are a lot of problems with it. If his sons commit adultery, aside from breaking their marriage vows and betraying their wives, there are drastic consequences. In the next couple of verses, Solomon will proceed to lay out the dreadful outcomes that can result from such a foolish choice as getting involved with another woman who is not your wife. The consequences that Solomon provides to dissuade his sons from committing adultery are as follows. 1. It says, Lest you give your vigor to others and your years to a cruel person. 2. Lest strangers eat their fill from your strength and your hard-earned goods end up in the house of a foreigner. And 3. In the end, you will groan when your flesh, even your body, are used up. Let's take each of these consequences in turn. First, when Solomon warns his sons that by committing adultery, they are in danger of giving their vigor to others and their years to a cruel person, what does it mean to give your vigor to others or your years to a cruel person? What does Solomon have in mind that his sons will be forfeiting or turning over for others to enjoy? There are a couple ways that the Hebrew word translated vigor can be understood. First, it can refer to the man's property. Second, it could refer to his physical strength. Or third, it could refer to the man's sexual vigor. If it refers to the man's property, the loss might occur because he's exploited by the husband of the woman he sleeps with, and he's compelled to pay compensation to the injured husband, or is legally bound to transfer his wealth according to a judicial confiscation. If it refers to the man's strength, his physical strength, then it's simply a metonymy of cause where it refers to the man's strength that produces his wealth. But if the proverb refers to the man's loss of sexual vigor, then it could be suggesting that the man would be forced to surrender his offspring and the wealth that they will produce to the husband of the woman he slept with. The other man would then possess the children of Solomon's son, and he would gain the benefit of their labor and enterprise, not the son who committed the adultery. Throughout all three possible meanings, the economic depletion of the son is clearly at stake. He will suffer a severe financial loss, whether it be directly or indirectly. Based on the overall context, I'm inclined to see the meaning most likely being that vigor refers to a man's strength as a metonymy for the wealth he has accumulated or will accumulate. This complements the temporal reference of the man's years that he will give away in the second line of verse 9. The man's years are likely a reference to the youthful and productive years of his life when he is strong and healthy and able to amass significant wealth. Before we move on, at the end of verse 9, it states that the recipient of the man's years is a cruel person. Why is it that the proverb refers to them as a cruel person? The cruel person seems to be the son who commits adultery with the man's wife. Well, the Hebrew word is in the masculine, so that implies that the individual in view is likely the woman's husband 
who was wronged by the adulterer. The book of Proverbs has more to say about the way that the injured husband will seek to take vengeance on the adulterer. Proverbs chapter 6 verses 34 and 35 say, For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will not spare him, that is, the adulterer, in the day of his vengeance. He will not be persuaded by any ransom, nor will he be satisfied when you make many bribes. It is likely that the cruel person in Proverbs 5 9 is referring to the injured husband because he will ruthlessly and relentlessly come after the adulterous man who slept with his wife. He will show no mercy and will not be satisfied with anything less than the acquisition of as much of the adulterer's wealth and assets as possible. Next, the understanding we've laid out for in verse 9 is paralleled and more fully explained by the second consequence that is mentioned in verse 10, which says, Lest strangers eat their fill from your strength, and your hard-earned goods end up in the house of a foreigner. Here, the figurative language that the strangers will eat their fill from the son's strength means that other people will receive food and support from the labor of the son. The word strength is a metonymy here representing the son's power to produce wealth and resources. This sad outcome, again, is repeated in parallel in the second line, where the son's hard-earned goods, referring to his property and his money, they are transferred to the house of a foreigner. Thus, both lines in verse 10 express the extreme financial deprivation that the son will experience as a result of his adulterous actions. The storehouse of the son's crops and livestock, along with his monetary reserves that were laboriously earned, will now be handed over for the benefit of others rather than his own family. On account of his involvement with another woman outside his marriage, the son now becomes not only liable for the potential pregnancy and those financial obligations, but will likely suffer additional punishments by the husband of the woman. What the proverb likely has in mind here are further retributions imposed by the aggrieved party. In other words, the husband of the woman will take all the monetary and material resources from the son as vengeance. Lastly, verse 11 delivers the final consequence when it says, and in the end, you will groan when your flesh, even your body, are used up. After losing his youthful vigor, finances, possessions, the son will groan from bearing the punishment and suffering that he incurred by his adultery. I think that it is readily understandable why the son would groan after going through all that we have discussed so far. But what does it mean for the son's flesh, that is his body, to be used up? Based on the context with the phrase, in the end, we can understand this as a reference to the end of the son's life, when his physical body is failing. The implicit idea in the verse is that at the end of his life, the son will look back and he will groan in disappointment at what his life has amounted to. When reflecting on his life, the son will be filled with regret at his poor, foolish choices that resulted in so much suffering, pain, and loss. I can imagine that the son will have deep remorse over the way that his behavior impacted his family. The focus in the proverb has been on the son and the consequences that he will bear for committing adultery, but in the background lies the collateral damage that will happen to his family 
because of his actions. Aside from the emotional and relational destructiveness that his adultery will cause, the son's wife and children will be the secondary recipients of the son's punishment. What affects him will affect them. But at this point, we need to step back and remember that a proverb is not trying to give a detailed, realistic depiction of exactly what will happen in a given circumstance. Solomon's purpose in warning his sons is to deter them from considering the foolish choice of getting involved with other women outside their marriage. And he accomplishes this warning by providing his sons with a worst-case scenario description as a negative motivation. That is, these are reasons to consider not doing it. We could say that Solomon is telling his sons that this is the kind of trouble that you will get yourself into if you go down that road. Therefore, stay away. Stay very far away. In order to illustrate these proverbs, I want to tell you about Francisco Huizar. Huizar, a Texas resident businessman, was a marketing tour manager in the BMX industry. In 2015, he attended a BMX show in New York. While he was there, he met Danielle. Danielle was a beautiful woman with gorgeous blonde hair and a big smile. Now, Danielle was married to Keith King, owner and operator of King BMX stunt shows. But there was something special about the connection between Huizar and Danielle. They found each other very attractive and became involved with each other. And over the next several months, they continued a secret love affair. However, King discovered the affair when he noticed an unknown number appearing on his phone bill. King confronted Huizar and told him to leave his wife alone. But Huizar persisted and even rented an apartment near King's residence in North Carolina. Danielle told her husband, Keith King, that the affair was over, but that was far from the truth. In August of 2016, King got suspicious that Danielle and Huizar were still involved. Danielle was traveling back to North Carolina with her and King's daughter from her parents' house in Richmond, Virginia, and told King that she was running late and wasn't going to be back on time. King activated the OnStar system in Danielle's car only to find out that she was traveling north on Interstate 95 toward Alexandria in Virginia when she should have been traveling south back to North Carolina. King knew that Huizar had been in Alexandria in the past and concluded that his wife had been lying to him and was still involved with Huizar. After several attempts to mend their marriage throughout 2016, Danielle and King separated in January of 2017, and Danielle moved out of their house and into a nearby apartment. Soon after moving in, King needed to drive some pain medication to his father and asked if Danielle could watch their daughter while he dropped it off. Danielle said that she couldn't because the apartment bathroom lights were not working and she couldn't fix the breaker. So later that day, King decided to drive over to Danielle's apartment to fix the lights. But to his surprise, when he arrived, it was Huizar who opened the door. The sight of Huizar at his wife's apartment made King furious, and he attempted to enter the apartment. After getting put into a chokehold by Huizar, King left, utterly distraught. But King didn't leave things at that. 
king proceeded to press charges against Huizar and sued him for committing adultery with his wife that led to the end of their marriage. And in the state of North Carolina, committing adultery under certain circumstances falls under the civil law statutes of alienation of affection and criminal conversation. It is a violation of the sanctity of marriage, and that law exists to uphold and support the gravity of marital obligations between both partners. Now, not every state has the same laws, and currently only five states in America have retained this law. Nonetheless, in the court hearing, the state of North Carolina found Huizar guilty and ordered him to pay King $8.8 million in recompense for his actions. Now, unless you are a billionaire or extremely rich, $8.8 million is more than most people have. And such was true for Huizar, who was unable to pay the penalty and had to file for bankruptcy. Because of his decision to pursue an affair with King's wife, Huizar lost everything and was left destitute of all his possessions and wealth. While the proverb proved to be true in Huizar's case, it isn't necessarily what happens in most occurrences of adultery. But no matter what the civil law penalty is or is not, adultery carries a heavy penalty. Whether it be in one's personal conscience or marriage relationship, or limited visitation with one's children after the adultery, or loss of respect and affection by friends and family, or even spiritually with divine punishment from God. It doesn't matter what the specifics of the punishment really are, because what the proverb is trying to accomplish is for us to realize that adultery is dangerous business and one in which we will always suffer loss. And sometimes it might be even to the point of losing everything. That is why walking in wisdom is what brings life, whereas pursuing foolishness brings only death. Yahweh wants humankind to honor their commitments in marriage and to not defile their covenant by being drawn away and enticed with other foreign women who do not belong. The marriage bed is to be kept pure and treated with holiness as it is a sacred union of two people and two people only. And so we must keep our road far away from the strange woman and not go even and not even go near to the door of her house. Our enemy is cunning and crafty and sin is lurking at the door waiting for a chance to seize an opportunity. If we don't learn to stay away, we might lose it all. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.